Well, hey, everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we are continuing on in our sermon series called I Believe, where we're talking about the essential beliefs of our faith, those beliefs that make us as Christians, Christians. So over the last few episodes, we've been talking about what it is that we believe about God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the Trinity. Well, today we're moving on to something else, and today we're talking about what we believe about the church. And I'll be the first to admit that when you think about all the diversity that makes up the church, it's hard to believe that we could all agree on anything regarding the church. But there are a few things that we all believe about the church. So let's get right into this episode's sermon, and you'll see what those things are. So over the last few weeks here at Melbourne Heights, we have been talking about what we as Christians believe. We have been talking about the essential beliefs of our faith, those beliefs that make us as Christians, Christians. And to help us do that, we have been looking at a statement of beliefs that our fellow Christians have used for about 1,600 years to help summarize what it is that we believe. And the specific statement of beliefs that we've been looking at is called the Apostles' Creed. So let me take just a minute for you here and share with you what the Apostles' Creed says. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Now, I've said this just about every week during this sermon series, but it's worth repeating again today. The Apostles' Creed, even though it does a good job of summarizing what it is that we as Christians believe, There is no creed, there is no confession, there is no statement of beliefs that can ever completely capture the essence of our faith. And that's because the essence of our faith is found in a person, the person of Jesus Christ, and not just in a system of beliefs. But even though the Apostles' Creed can't completely capture everything that it is that we believe, it can still help us as we explore the most essential elements of our faith. So over the last few weeks, the Apostles' Creed has helped us as as we've explored what it means for us to believe in God the Father Almighty, and for us to believe in Jesus Christ, and for us to believe in the Holy Spirit. And today, the Apostles' Creed is going to help us talk about what it means for us to believe in the church. Now, I'll be honest with you right out of the gate here. When I think about the church and what every Christian could believe about the church, it seems like an impossible task. I mean, right here in the city of Louisville, Kentucky alone, there are more than 400 different churches. Out of these 400 different churches, some of them are huge with thousands of members, and some of them are much, much smaller. Some of the churches in the city of Louisville call themselves Baptist. Some of them call themselves Methodist. Some of them call themselves Presbyterian. Some of them just call themselves church. So it's hard to figure out exactly who they are or what they believe. One of the churches here in Louisville, Kentucky, Christ Church Cathedral, has been around for over 199 years. And there are other churches right here in Louisville that haven't even turned one year old yet. So when you think about all of this diversity, from the sizes of our churches to the denominations we're a part of, to the ages of the churches, 
It's hard to believe that we could all possibly agree on anything about what the church is. But there are a few basic things that all Christians believe about the church. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. But what do we believe about the church? Let's start out by talking about what we believe the church is. And whenever I think about what the church is, I can't help but think of that little hand game that a lot of us learned way back in Sunday school. You probably remember the one that I'm talking about. It goes like this. Here is the church. Here is the steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. Well, that was a fun little rhyme to learn when you were a kid. And it's really cool when you could finally master the hand motions to go along with it. But you do realize that that little rhyme and game, it teaches us something about the church that isn't true. It makes us believe that the church is about a building. And it's not just the silly little hand game that we teach our kids in Sunday school classes that teach us that either. A lot of the language that we use when it comes to the church alludes to that exact same thing. Like when you woke up this morning and you said, I'm going to go to church. Well, when you say that, you make it sound like the church is a place where you go to worship God. Or when you meet somebody and you ask them, where is your church? Well, it makes it sound like the church is nothing more than a building that people meet in. But the COVID-19 pandemic has reminded us that the church is about so much more than a building. I mean, just think about it for a minute. Right here at Melbourne Heights, we went for more than a year without meeting in person in a building anywhere. But does that mean that we stopped being the church just because we weren't meeting inside of a building? No. And even now that we've resumed having in-person services and have been meeting together since Easter Sunday, well, we're no longer meeting together in a building that we own. It's about this time last year that we finalized the sale on our old church property. So have we not been a church because we're no longer meeting in a space that we own? Of course not. And that's because being a church isn't about a building. Being a church is about the people. Being a church isn't about a building. Being a church is about the people. Amen? But the church isn't just about any old group of people. The church is about a very specific group of people. And if we think back to the way that the Apostles' Creed describes the church, you'll start to understand who this very specific group of people are. So let me just remind you what the Apostles' Creed says, how it describes the church. And the Apostles' Creed says that the church, it describes it as the holy, universal church. But what exactly does that mean? Well, let's take it word by word and we'll learn about who the church, who the people that make up the church are. And the first word that the Apostle Creed uses to describe the church is holy. But what does the word holy mean? Well, a lot of times when we think about the word holy, a lot of us think that it means perfect. Like when we talk about holy God or the Holy Spirit or the Holy Trinity or even the Holy Bible. But the word holy doesn't have anything to do with the word perfect. The word holy actually means sacred. And the word sacred means that it is set apart by God. So when the Apostles' Creed describes the church as being holy, it is saying that it is made up of people who are set apart by God. The next word that the Apostles' Creed uses when it talks about the church, when it describes the church, is the word universal. Or at least that's the word that we've been using so far during the sermon series. But to be completely honest with you, the word universal isn't the best understanding. It's not the best word that we can use in the Apostles' Creed. 
The best word that we can use is the word Catholic. But I've intentionally used the word universal during the sermon series instead of Catholic because I didn't want to confuse you along the way. Because I was afraid that if I described the church as being Catholic, a lot of people would think that it means that the church is exclusively made up of Roman Catholics. And since we're Baptist, that's a problem. But the reality here is that the word Catholic inside of this, it's not referring to any specific denomination. It's referring to the meaning of the actual word Catholic. And the word Catholic, it comes from two different Greek words, the word kata and the word holos. And when you put those two words together, it means concerning the whole. So when the Apostles' Creed describes the church as being Catholic or universal, what it's telling us is that the church isn't, is that there's not actually 400 different churches right here in Louisville, Kentucky. It's telling us that there's not actually 40,000 different churches all across the United States of America. It's telling us that there's not actually 30 million different churches all around the world. When the Apostles' Creed uses the word Catholic, what it's reminding us is that we are all part of one church. We are all part of one church church. And that brings us to the final word that the Apostles' Creed uses when it describes the church. And that word is the word church itself. Now, the word church is one of those words that we use a whole lot around the church. But have you ever actually stopped to think about what that word means? Well, the word church, it comes from the Greek word kuriakon, which when translated into German becomes the word kirch. And we then translate the German word Kirch into English and get the word church. So it's a roundabout way for us to talk about what the church is. But when we go back to the Greek, we find that the word Kuriakon literally means belonging to the Lord. So we, as part of the church, we belong to Jesus. So when you put all three of these things together, we see that the church is a universal body of people who belong to Jesus and have been set apart by God. The church is a universal body of people who belong to Jesus and are set apart by God. And all of that, it tells us what we as Christians believe the church is, but it doesn't tell us what we believe the church does. It doesn't tell us what God set the church apart for. So that's what I want us to spend the rest of our time together talking about today. I want us to talk about what God set the church apart for. And to do that, there's no better place for us to start than by looking at the story of the church's birth. And we find this story in Acts chapter 2. Now, the book of Acts comes from the New Testament, and there are basically two kind of books that we find in the New Testament. The first kind of book that we find in the New Testament, it tells us the story of Jesus. So those books are basically biographies for Jesus. But the second kind of book, it tells us how our faith in Jesus grew and spread after Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. Well, the book of Acts, it's the second kind of book. The book of Acts tells us how our faith in Jesus grew and spread in the decades after Jesus' crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension. And in Acts chapter 2, we find the story of the birth of the church. And it happens on the day of Pentecost, which we've talked about quite a bit over the last two weeks. But on Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes down, empowers the disciples to share the good news of Jesus in a bunch of different languages so that thousands of people can hear the good news for themselves, receive that good news, and begin their relationship with Jesus. And after they start their relationship with Jesus... 
they also start the church. So by taking a look at the story that we find in Acts chapter 2, we'll see what God set the church apart for. So let's take a look at Acts chapter 2 together. We'll start reading in verse 42. Here's what it says. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. Now, I think that the part of this story that we always tend to focus in on whenever we read it inside of the church is the last part of the story. The part that tells us that the Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. So that means that we tend to start believing that the church exists to get bigger, that the church exists to grow. And therefore, if our church is not getting bigger, if our church is not growing, then our church has to be failing. But there's a pretty big flaw in that line of thought. And the flaw in that line of thought is that nothing exists solely to get bigger. Nothing exists just to get bigger. Let me give you an example here. So back during my going into my senior year of high school, I was as tall as I am now, six feet, two inches tall. And I weighed about 180 pounds. And that matters because going into my senior year of high school, I was the starting right tackle on our school's football team. And just to put this in perspective for you, the average college football lineman today stands six feet, five inches tall, and weighs about 280 pounds. Well, going into my senior year, I wanted to get bigger. But I didn't want to get bigger just for the sake of getting bigger. I wanted to get bigger because I wanted to play college football. So... And I knew my chances of being able to play college football were slim to none if the other players that I was competing for a scholarship against all outweighed me by at least 100 pounds. Now, unfortunately, my dreams of playing college football didn't come to fruition, but it doesn't change the fact that I didn't want to get bigger just for the sake of getting bigger. I had another motivation altogether. And the same thing is true for the church. The church does not exist simply to get bigger. The church doesn't exist simply to have more people attend our worship services. And the church doesn't exist just so we can have bigger budgets and build bigger buildings. The church exists for another reason altogether. And to understand what that reason is, we need to pay way more attention to the beginning of the story that I just read you in the book of Acts than we do the end of the story that we just read in the book of Acts. And that's because at the very beginning of this passage, we're going to hear what God set the church apart for. So let's take another look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Here's what it says. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. So this one verse, it tells us what we as a church have been set apart by God for. And God has set us apart so that we can devote ourselves or so that we can commit ourselves completely to four different things. The first thing that we hear in this passage is that the church is set apart so that we can devote ourselves 
to the apostles' teachings. And what are the apostles' teachings? Well, it's what we've been talking about throughout the sermon series. It's those basic beliefs that make us as Christians Christians. So the apostles' teachings teach us about who God the Father is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, what it means for us to be the church. And how exactly do we devote ourselves to these teachings? Well, we do it through things like participating inside of Bible studies or listening to sermons. Or we do it through learning how to read and understand the Bible for ourselves. And we do it through wrestling with life's hardest questions. So that's how we go about devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching. But I think it's important that we pause right here for just a second to clarify something. Now, every one of those things that I just told you about how we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, well, they all seem like things that we could do completely on our own. We can all read the Bible on our own. Thanks to podcasts and YouTube channels, you can listen to sermons on your own. You can find books on Amazon that will teach you how to read and understand the Bible for yourself. And you can wrestle with life's hardest questions all alone. But when the book of Acts tells us that the church devotes ourselves to the apostles' teaching, it's also telling us that we can't do this by ourselves. The church was dependent on the teaching of others, the teaching of the apostles to grow in their faith and to grow in their relationship with God. And we are dependent on each other to grow in our faith and to grow in our relationship with God. So we come together as a church week after week for a reason. And when we come together, we acknowledge that none of us, not you, not me, not anyone, completely understands who God is or completely understands what it means for us to be a Christian. So we come together so that we can learn from each other, and so that we can learn from those people of faith who came before us. And we can take everything that we learn and grow together. So that's the first thing that the, apostles, that the book of Acts tells us about what it means for us to be set apart as a church. The next thing that it tells us is that we are set apart for fellowship. Now, usually when we think of fellowship inside of the church, we equate it with another word that starts with the letter F, and that word is food. So we think that if we can put together a good potluck, that our church has got the fellowship thing covered. But the reality is that fellowship has so much more to do, has so much more to it than just food. As a matter of fact, there's another word that starts with the letter F that gives us a better understanding of what fellowship is all about. And that's the word family. Because when you are a part of the church, you are part of God's family. And being in a family, as you all know, it involves a whole lot more than just sitting down and having dinner together. As a matter of fact, I think the Apostle Paul, who is the foremost missionary and theologian of the first century, does a really good job of explaining what it means to be part of the family of God in a letter that he writes to the church in Galatia. And in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, Paul writes this. It says, carry each other's burdens, and so you will fulfill the law of Christ. And what Paul is saying here is that we, as the church, we as people that are set apart by God, we're supposed to be getting to know each other. We're supposed to be building relationships with each other. We're supposed to be here to take care of each other. We're supposed to be here to help each other along the journey of faith and the journey of life. Or the way that I like to usually explain this, to say that being part of a church means that you share life together. The next thing that we find in the book of Acts about what it is that the church is set apart for is that we are set apart for the breaking of bread. 
Now, this may literally mean that we are set apart to actually share meals together, but the way that this passage is written, it implies a specific meal that we're set apart to observe. And the meal that we are set apart to observe is the Lord's Supper, or as we commonly refer to it here at Malvern Heights, it's communion. And we are set apart to observe communion because when we do, we join our lives as individuals and our collective life as the church together with the life of Christ. So when we eat of the bread, when we drink of the cup, we're reminded that we are part of Jesus, that Jesus lives in us and that Jesus lives through the church. So if we want other people to hear the good news of Jesus, if we want other people to receive Jesus, they're going to do that through our actions as individuals and through the actions of our church. The final thing that the book of Acts tells us that we as part of the church are set apart for is for prayer. And we're set apart for prayer because God wants to connect with us. God wants to connect with you. Now stop and think about what that means for just a minute. So I think we often forget about who it is that we get to come together to worship and who we get to talk to when we pray. God. The God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in them, including you. God. The God who took on human form and walked this earth so that we have no doubt that he loves us. God, the God who continues to be present and at work in our lives and in our world every moment of every day, wants to connect with you. And he wants to do that through prayer. So realizing that we are set apart for prayer and actually engaging in praying individually and collectively, we remind ourselves about who God is, the awesomeness of God but we also remind ourselves of who we are, keeping things in perspective and reminding us that God did not set us apart for ourselves. God set us apart for others. So as a Christian, I believe in the church. I believe in the church. Why don't you say that with me? We've done this every week during the sermon series. We'll do it again this morning, all right? We'll say it together on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. I believe in the church. Say it again. I believe in the church. Say it so that God can hear you. I believe in the church. I do believe in the church. But I don't believe in the church because the church is perfect, because we are all well aware that the church is far from perfect. But I believe in the church because I believe that God has called every single one of us to be in a relationship with God. And for us to be in that relationship with God, it takes the church. Because the church, the church is devoted to teaching the apostles' teachings and sharing the good news of who Jesus and who our God is. The church the church is committed, and it's all about fellowship and sharing life together and being there with one another, helping each other grow closer to God. The church is a place where we remember that we are all part of the body of Christ and that we are challenged to be his hands and his feet and his presence in this world. And the church, 
The church is a place of prayer where we deeply connect with the God who created us all. So without the church, none of us can have the relationship with God that God wants us to have. So I believe in the church. And I believe in the church because I know that I cannot be who God has called me to be without you. You can't be who God has created you to be without the church. A people who have been set apart by God. A people who belong to Jesus. A people who devote ourselves to one another, to serving our world. That's why I believe in the church. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this time of prayer, we thank you for the church. And we don't thank you for the church because the church is a, play, is a perfect place. We don't thank you for the church because it's made up of perfect people, God, because we know it's not. Rather, we're thankful for the church because the church is made up of people who've been set apart by you. And we've been set apart by you for a reason, and that's to help other people grow in their relationship with you, God. We know that you have created every single one of us. You have called every single one of us to be in a relationship with you. But we can't do that without the church to teach us about you, to help us through the journey of life, to pray with us, to remind us that Christ lives in us and through us all. So God, help us to appreciate the church that we are a part of and to remember what it means for us to be set apart by you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning into this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that today's episode has helped you to understand what it is that we believe about the church. Now, in our next episode, we're going to be finishing up the sermon series where we've been talking about what we as Christians believe. And next week, we're specifically going to be talking about what we believe about the forgiveness of sin. So we hope that you'll come back and join us when that next episode drops. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, it'll be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And while you're there, make sure you leave us a rating and a review so that you can help spread the word of this podcast to other people. And also, don't forget, you don't have to wait till next Tuesday to hear our next sermon. You're welcome to join us every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. Eastern Time on our church website at mhbclouisville.com slash live. We would love to have you with us. Well, until next time, I hope that you have a great week. I'll be praying for you, and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast.